0: The winner is Qatar. It's Shabalala.
1: And Brazil win the World Cup for the fifth time.
2: Welcome to Pinnacles World Cup 2022 Insights Preview Podcast, powered by InfoGoal. I am your host. Gareth Wheeler, and we're just about there. The World Cup in 2022 in Qatar, 64 games over the course of a month. I simply cannot wait. It's time for us to delve into the odds kind of project on where we might see things headed over the course of this 32 team tournament and we'll take a look at some of the nations that may be able to provide you the listener and the viewer some real value heading into this tournament first up EPL insights regular he's a wizard of Oz Jake Osgothorpe joining us from sporting life what's up Jake how are you I'm good I'm good are you great we're shifting from no cha- uh, no Champions League or Premier League. Uh, we're really switching things up with the World Cup this time around, and I simply cannot wait. Uh, Andrew Beasley uh, from our UCL Betting Blueprint uh, podcast, he's worked across a slew of our World Cup content over at Betting Resources on the Pinnacle.com website. Have you slept, Andrew? Because it seems like you've been uh, masquerading around the world, letting our readers... Uh, know what's going on with each and every nation. Do you sleep at night?
1: I managed to grab a couple of hours in between writing endless World Cup previews, you know, but um, the tournament's nearly here. I'll probably have a bit of time off once it actually starts. So uh, yeah, it'll be good to get going and actually see if anything that I've sort of researched comes into play this time around.
2: Brilliant. And finally, our South American soccer expert live from Qatar, Simon Edwards, to give us the inside track on the continent's four representatives. Welcome to the podcast, Simon.
0: Thanks for doing this. No, thank you very much. Looking forward to getting into everything. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the conversation. So thanks for the invitation. You're on the ground in Qatar.
2: Uh, Set the scene for us. What are things like? Do you feel like a World Cup is upon us?
0: Yeah, I, it's still it's still fairly quiet here. I think all of the fans should be arriving in the next couple of days. Um, there's you know you can see things coming together uh, over here. Uh, it's warm. It's it's very warm out of the sun. The sun is sorry. The sun is very bright. Out of the sun, you can feel a bit of a breeze. And obviously, the stadiums, a lot of them are going to be air conditioned, which is interesting. Um, but it's definitely it's definitely warm. And I think in the daytime kickoffs, uh heat will definitely play a, a factor in certain games. So. But yeah, definitely things are coming together over here. Well, the biggest thing for the
2: journalists, the fans on the ground, travel should be straightforward. I mean, I was in South Africa, Brazil, Russia... That's flight after flight, long distance travel. Everything's basically all on a postage stamp in Qatar. So um, have your Uber ready and everything should uh, go forward. Absolutely straightforward. Uh, so on this podcast here, we're going to go through each and every one of the groups, let you know where there might be some value and we'll walk through some of the different nations who you know, are, are interesting and could be a true contender or a potential threat to go deep in this tournament. Uh, we'll get into some individual nation props as well I'll go through some candidates who could can come away with the world cup golden boot and then we'll get into our outright winners so why don't we just start things off well in group a It's the host nation group, Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and Netherlands. On paper, I don't think anywhere near the most powerful group. The host, Qatar, I called one of their games a few weeks back. Uh, They played Canada. It didn't look anywhere near the level that's required to compete at a World Cup. Ecuador, 44th ranked team in the world. Simon, I'm sure you've seen them a lot. A a team that's kind of turned things around, but struggled a little bit in terms of form and especially scoring goals in 2022. Senegal, a team that had Dark Horse written all over it. Now with questions around Sadio Mane, I'm not sure where you guys think that Senegal may fall. And Louis van Gaal's Netherlands, the 8th ranked team in the world, a a team that... Uh, has largely been competitive over recent times, especially under Van Gaal, unbeaten under their new manager, 11 wins and four draws since he took over. But there are still some questions in the side for the three-time World Cup runner-up. Jake, we'll start with you. What do you make of this group? I mean, Qatar's a long shot to win the group at plus 1452, plus 546 for Ecuador to win the group. Senegal, plus 551. Netherlands, no surprise, the favorite at minus 234.
3: Um, yeah, it's hard to disagree with the market. Um, I think I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, the Netherlands, a big believer in them. I don't think they'll go all the way and win it this time around. I think there's, they've got a nice blend of uh, of youth and experience in that squad, but I do think that youth needs an extra tournament. Um, and yeah, I, I I think it's a toss up between Senegal and Ecuador. And I think the key really um, will be Sadio Mane's fitness and how many games of the group he's, he will miss. Um, Has been reports today that he's going to he's definitely missing the first game, um, which is obviously against the Netherlands. So a game that maybe. They might have expected to lose anyway, so it might not be too detrimental if he's back for game two. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to hear what Simon thinks, because personally, I think Ecuador could be a bet at that price to uh, to qualify. You're getting plus 108. Um, yeah, from a South American perspective, are you, are you quite confident that Ecuador can get the better of Senegal?
0: Yeah, I think look, I think I think it's both Senegal and Ecuador. I think I think Holland yeah fairly are the favorites in this group, but I think whoever qualifies out of Senegal and Ecuador have a decent chance of kind of doing something, you know, upsetting a couple of teams in the knockout rounds potentially. Uh, I really like Cisse as the Senegal manager. I think he does a really good job setting up his side. So uh, obviously uh, Mane will be a massive loss for them, but I do think Senegal get the most of what they have um to a large extent which is positive uh with ecuador for me the question of ecuador is do they have a goal scorer and valencia is kind of top goal scorer doing well you know all-time top goal score for ecuador doing well in turkey this year um but for me that's the the area of the field where they're kind of least exciting because the thing about this ecuador team is they're very young they're very energetic they're you know i think people have misinterpreted the way they play. obviously look last five or six games they haven't scored so you know take a lot of this with a pinch of salt you know that gives some immediate context to this what i'm saying but in qualifying they overwhelm teams and and the only team to outplay brazil for 45 minutes in world cup qualifying was ecuador and they destroyed colombia they destroyed uruguay so when it clicks for ecuador they're incredible to watch They've got a lot of pace out wide. Now, obviously, Byron Castillo, you may have seen isn't isn't been picked in the Ecuador squad. He's the player who was involved in the the issues with the registration. Ecuador basically decided not to take him because they were worried they might get docked points if they did. They weren't quite sure with the the ruling, so he's going to be a miss at left back. Uh, sorry, right back. But they've got lots of pace out wide. Plato is really good on the right wing. I think he could have a bit of a breakout tournament. Really tricky, direct, skillful winger. You've got Estupiñan attacking from left back, Moises Caicedo, pretty much the best central midfielder in the Premier League. If you look at certain metrics, really, really impressive for Brighton. Um, Piero Hincapie in defence, I think again is has had a few shaky games in in the Bundesliga, but is a very, very good young defender, ball playing defender. So there's lots of good parts, and collectively, what they do is they're very. Um, they press very collectively. They don't play a particularly high line, but when the when the ball's there, they're very energetic, uh, and their midfielders as well are very comfortable receiving when they're a little bit isolated, turning out, and that kind of stuff. So I think I think if, if Ecuador, the thing is Alfaro, the coach as well, traditionally has been quite conservative, and it's been a good ma- a match between Ecuador and Alfaro because Alfaro is quite defensive and Ecuador in, instinctively quite attacking. So it's kind of they found the right balance. Now obviously it goes the wrong way. You get an attacking side trying to be over-defensive and things can potentially fall apart. So I think if Ecuador are confident, uh, and I think the first game is going to be key because Qatar have been preparing for 10 years for this game um, and, and Ecuador are going to be the opening team, young side. So I think there's going to be nerves potentially on both sides in that one. And I think if Ecuador get the win in that that one, they'll be off to a flyer. But Qatar are actually decent. You know, They've been competitive, they got to the semi-final of the Gold Cup in CONCACAF. They were competitive in the Copa America. So I think they could surprise, you know, they're they're not going to blow anyone away, but they've got a really good coach and they're very well, you know, well-tight-knit group. So um, I think that opening game will tell us a lot, um, but I do like Senegal as well. So I think Ecuador or Senegal could potentially be a bit of dark horses in this tournament. Andrew? Yeah, nothing
1: much to add to that. Um, I was actually going to suggest... Qatar under 2.5 points at minus 123 um, appeal to me, but um, Simon's now convinced me that they're quite good. So perhaps that's not a good suggestion, (laughs) but um, I I think perhaps as well, I mean, Senegal at plus 112 to get under 3.5 points. If if Mane misses the tournament, basically, I think that could actually be a realistic possibility, but obviously we don't know about him, but um, yeah, there's, there's some, there's some possible bets there, but I think so much hinges on his availability that, it's a very tough call as we sort of sit here and record this uh, at the moment.
2: Uh, I can tell you, having called the Canada-Qatar match, like I said, a month ago, I think they were in good form a year, two years ago. They, they simply just don't... Like, look, they picked up games just about against everyone that will take one, under 23 teams, B-sides, whatever. Um, they're all domestic-based, and I understand... Home nations have typically done well in, in World Cups. Only South Africa, the only nation to not host nation, not to advance from the group. But there's nothing normal about this World Cup, and there's nothing normal about this Qatari side either. Um, I think Ecuador, to your point, Simon, plays in a very similar matter, uh, manner than Senegal. This is a combative side. If you watch them in the African Cup of Nations, they have a very uh, you know you know aggressive, physical midfield. It's just whether or not they they put enough emphasis on attack. But, you know, I think that makes it a very competitive game. The under for Ecuador-Senegal, I'll be all over that no matter what. Ecuador hasn't scored a goal, like you said, Simon, their last three games. But there's not much between these two sides. D- does the spine, strong spine of Senegal outweigh the strength that Ecuador has down the flanks. It's a really intriguing matchup for me. And it's really interesting to me that we've all basically said that this is Netherlands, you know, they're going to go on to win this group. Is everyone really convinced with this Netherlands side? Because they looked a mile off it as well at Euro. I know Van Gaal has come in, change the formation. They're going to be much more defensively resolute, but is there enough in, the, into this, in this Netherlands side that you're like, yeah, going up against two competitive teams in Ecuador and Senegal, the Netherlands are the team to go on um, to, to absolutely win this group and the thing that's interesting for me is if you win this group there's you know there's a carrot being dangled. you get second place in group B which could be a weaker opposition as well so there's incentive for these teams to go out there and play for the three points and not just settle for draws um, that's kind of my overview on the group I'm not sure if you have anything to add Jake.
3: No, I, I just on the Netherlands point, I do think that they, they're trending in a really positive direction to Bengal. Um I think that playing against teams that maybe, I mean, Qatar, we expect, will probably sit deep and try and play on the counter against the Netherlands because they'll be the inferior opponent. Senegal generally like to keep things tight anyway. We saw that through AFCON. Um, I think they kept pretty much was it five games, five clean sheets or something like that, or maybe continue just the once. So um, I think that playing to the hands of the Netherlands because I do think that they've got a lot of really good flair players um, in forward areas that can break down a, a deep line block. Um, they're a very high scoring team as well, which I think if they get the early goal, that, that really puts them in a promising position in all of those three matches. Um, I think it was 33 goals in uh, World Cup qualifying, 14 goals in six games in the Nations League for the Netherlands. So they're not shy when they're going forward. And, and I think that that will play, in, well, that, that should really force the, the the group to open up a little bit.
2: Uh, anything else to add, gentlemen, either Simon or Andrew? I would just say that I
0: think I think there's some really good managers in this group, which I think will be interesting to watch. Felix Sanchez of Qatar, I think is a really, really good manager. Uh, and I like Alios at Senegal. So um I think for me, Ecuador and Holland are probably the two favorites, but I think the the smart tactical approach of those two coaches, they'll ha- I think Senegal um have a set system, but I think Ecuador adjusts a lot to the opposition they face. So I think you'll see a lot of kind of tactical games and stuff in this group, which will be interesting because I think it's quite an even group. Uh, obviously, Holland are the, the favorites, but I, I I wouldn't rule out Qatar despite uh, recent results. So I think it's going to be a really interesting group from a tactical perspective, this one. Uh, Senegal and
2: Ecuador both coming in at plus 108 to advance on pinnacle. So a plus number, you favor one over the other. Based on what we had to say, then you know where to go on and make that play. Let's move on to group B, England, Iran, USA and Wales, four sides in this group, all in the top 20 in terms of the FIFA rankings. So take that for for what it's worth. England, of course, Euro runners up, um, unbeaten over the course of World Cup qualifying, scored the most goals as well. But in fairness, a lot of them came against San Marino and Andorra. But hey, that's still a statistic that they can put up on their wall. Uh, Look, this team in the Nations League in 2022 wasn't very good didn't win a game in six, three draws and three <laughs> losses over that span, a rematch against the United States. We'll remember in a one, one final yikes back in 2010 in South Africa. Uh, we'll see what England can do in this tournament. Their knockout draws, by the way, were favorable in both 2018 in the world cup, as well as in 2021 could be a favorable draw for them this time around as well. Iran, a familiar face coast. Kiros is back in charge. After a little bit of a hiatus, but he's come back in. The, the side has some real talent, especially up front. Taremi, Porto, Osmoon. These are some good players. And this is a side that was competitive in a very difficult group at the last World Cup that features Spain, Portugal, as well as Morocco. The United States third in CONCACAF. Christian Pulisic is kind of their main man, but he's really struggled for Chelsea. Just one goal at 18 this season, and they're also the youngest side of the United States to go on and qualify for the World Cup. And Wales under Rob Page, first World Cup since 1958. Gareth Bales fit barely played for LAFC despite winning an MLS Cup. Uh, finished second in a group, featuring Belgium and Czech Republic. Um, and you know, they're playing England. The last game in the United States in their first game uh, for those watching at home. So those games and the order of the games could be an important factor in this group. Minus two seventy six for England to win the group, plus fourteen hundred for Iran, plus five fifty one for the USA, and plus six fifty three for Wales. Certainly on paper, gentlemen, this is England's group to lose. Can they find a way to go on and lose it, Jake?
3: <laughs> uh, well, it's England, so yeah, they can. Um, but. I don't think they will. I think they'll, they'll the very least they'll qualify, but I don't think it'll be plain sailing. I, I really don't. I think that the, what we've seen over the last couple of years um, has been well since the Euros. I guess it's only been a year as next we fast forward a year, um, but it, it's not been great. And I think that Southgate had the opportunity with the Nations League to rest his star players. He chose not to. He chose to play them all. So you've got added games that perhaps weren't needed for the likes of Kane, um, you know, Rice in particular, who played a lot of football now. Um, and yeah, I, I, for me, the, the 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 main thoughts headed into the tournament for England is, you know, what kind of system are we going to play? What kind of brand of football are we going to play? Because the last two tournaments have been based on strong back lines um, and game management. And um, I, I don't think that'll suit in this group in particular, because I, I think that Wales uh, and Iran will play, Tough to beat, in particular. Um, they'll play very deep and put, try and play on the counter attack. Um, and that will probably need a changing system, a changing formation, and and I'd, I'd like to see that because we've got unbelievable attacking players to choose from. Have England? Um, it's just a case of Southgate trusting them and and changing tack. But um, I for one wouldn't be backing them at that price to win the group because I do think it's quite an even group. Um, even Iran, I think Iran looked a big price to win the group. Um, I'm not saying they're going to do that. I just think the price is huge. Um, and and for, for a, I guess a pro Iran kind of bet I would be looking at backing them plus one and a half on the handicap against England um, we can get that at minus one or three nine I don't think England will beat Iran by a couple of goals um, if you think back to the last World Cup England drew Tunisia in the first game everyone thought it was going to be very comfortable two nil, three nil and it was the last minute winner required um, and I can see something similar with this Iran team who will be very well set up under Carlos Kiroshin. I think they did they draw with Portugal in the last World Cup and, and just narrowly lose to Spain. So they they no. against good opposition have shown what they're capable of. So that, that will be my my play. Um of the teams to qualify, I do give the USA an edge over Wales. Um I do think that they they could be at that at plus one um, oh two. Um Wales are just so reliant on those forward players, particularly Bale, to to make anything happen. Um, you know, Dan James, Brennan Johnson's good, but is he is he this good at this level? Um, not too sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely I like USA to qualify. And, yeah, I, I would be taking Iran with a with a half one-and-a-half goal start in that opening game.
0: Simon? Yeah, um, I mean, England as well. You know, you look at the reliance on set-piece goals as well in, in, in recent tournaments, the last two, you know, the World Cup, the Euros, nine of their goals came from set-pieces. Um, and you also look at their defence. Uh, Dyer, Maguire, Stones, perhaps? Um and the likes of Iran, the likes of Wales are gonna to look to counter, they're gonna to look to sit deep and counter. And if England can get exposed with those three central defenders up against two pacey forwards kind of on the counter, then that's there's potential for them to be to be to be hurt. And I and I think as well, as I say, England nine of their goals at the Euros came from um from set pieces of the twelve goals they scored. So if they don't score those set pieces, and they're playing against very organised, very disciplined defenses. Are they going to be able to break them down? Now, there's a lot of creative quality in that England side, of course, but they haven't really been showing it in recent months. And you know, if we, as I say, if we, if we see the Euros as a high point, they still got almost all their goals from set pieces. And to go back to the 2018 World Cup, the same thing was, was the case. You know, so um, I think for overall performances, and again, the results are hugely creditable. 2018, I thought England were very limited and they did very, very well with what they had. Delhi Ali and uh, Jesse Lingard attacking <laughs> midfield. Um, but I think I think there's some questions there and, and I do think Iran are a good option. Um, yeah, honestly, I think this group is pretty pretty even and, and I think England will have to attack, will have to take the game to the opposition and I think that's going to fit uneas- uneasily with Gareth Southgate's kind of natural conservatism I think the opposition are going to be delighted to sit back and defend. And I think England are going to feel a little bit awkward in an attack and be vulnerable to counters. So I think I think there's definitely some value in betting against England in this one because, you know, on paper they're the strongest side. But Iran, US uh, and potentially Wales, and I agree, I think Wales are probably the fall for those four teams, um, Could all could all get a result against England and potentially any of them could get out of this group. So I think it's an interesting one.
2: Seems counterintuitive to playing three centre-halves, doesn't it, for England in a group like this where it's not really what's required. Andrew, where do you stand?
1: Yeah, not too much to add, really. I think Iran have got a great chance. I think at plus 330 to yeah. qualify, they, uh, they stand a very good chance. I mean, with Mehdi Terémi up front, he's got six goals and five assists in his last 10 games for Porto, and he's the joint third-top scorer in the Champions League group stage. So when you look at the last World Cup, as you've said, they had Spain and Portugal. They got four points and an even goal difference. Well, if they've got that foundation and then they've got a better goal scorer, I think they stand. Uh, I think they stand a really good chance of going through. And if not going through, um, you can get them on over two point five points at minus one twenty two. I think they've got a very good chance of of hitting that, even if they don't qualify for the for the knockout phase. But but um, yeah, I think they're being, they're being too underrated um, in a very even group. And I think they've got a definite chance of uh, of getting out of this one.
2: I'll just say this really quickly. I think that there'll be the fewest group goals in this group than any other group uh, at this tournament. I just, I just don't see it based on style of play. The United States don't have a number nine. They don't have like It's a big hole in that team. So um, every all four of these teams have questions to be asked of them, and I don't think it'll be straightforward whatsoever. I'll shorten my my spiel for Group C. Uh, Argentina, third-ranked team in the nation, in, in, in according to the FIFA rankings, they're unbeaten in their last thirty-five games. Thirty-five. I think it's too just too uh wins shy from setting an all-time record in the men's game in terms of an unbeaten streak. Uh Saudi Arabia's 51st ranked team in the world. Uh back-to-back World Cups for Saudi Arabia. Mexico's 13th in the world. Uh man, they really struggled in World Cup qualifying, despite finishing level on points with Canada. They did not beat Canada or the United States in World Cup qualifying as they continue to transition their, their their squad in Poland. Uh, are, are back at the World Cup 26 ranked team in the world finished five points back of England in their group and got through after getting a bye because we were supposed to play Russia in the playoffs and went on to beat Sweden 2-0. Does Lewandowski break out at this World Cup? Because that certainly wasn't the story in 2018. Minus 258 for Argentina to win the group, plus plus. 3568 for Saudi Arabia, plus 526 for Mexico, and plus 526, the exact same for Poland. Let's switch things up. Andrew Beasley, I'll come to you first this time. Uh, Argentina, clearly the massive favorite to go on and win this group. But what else do you see here?
1: Yeah, I think um, they are obviously favourites and I'm sure they probably will top the group. So I'm I'm probably thinking Poland to go through in second place. Um, I quite like them. Uh, you can get them for over 4.5 points at plus 133. Uh, you have to assume they'll beat Saudi Arabia and their final game is against Argentina who may have already qualified by that point, which would give Poland a better chance of, of getting a decent result from that. Um, Argentina and Poland to go through is available at plus 120. Um, and that sounds good to me. Uh, obviously, Poland got 30 goals from 10 games in qualifying. There's the San Marino factor in that, granted, but um, they do score quite a lot of goals, whereas uh, Mexico only got 17 in their 14 games, perhaps against tougher teams. Um, but they, you know, they didn't score many goals. So I think Poland will have the edge um, over Mexico for second spot in uh in that group but uh, obviously they play each other in the first game and that that could well be almost a deciding factor for who goes through
0: simon yeah i think you know it's hard to you know in terms of winning the group i think argentina are looking very very good before 2018 they were terrible people were surprised how bad they were at the world cup you should have seen them in qualifying <laughs> they, they were actually disaster um but I think things have changed. Romero has been huge in defence. Martinez in goal. Those two players have transformed everything. The one, the one thing for Argentina, Otamendi. Otamendi is still playing at centre back, and he's been doing well. And he brings tenacity, and he's a strong personality. But he's going to make a mistake at this World Cup. He's going to give away a penalty, or he's going to give away the ball. Um, and whether that costs Argentina or not. Um, that's my that's my strong prediction for Argentina. Does he, be-
2: does he absolutely start for this Argentina side, Simon? Like Lissandro Martinez has played a role in this Argentina team as well. Um is it automatic?
0: It it still feels like it probably is. Um I just don't think they've played Romero and Martinez enough together. Otamendi still has that leadership role. But I think as and he's doing he's doing well again. I, I don't want to knock his performances at club form this year. But it feels as though the more he loses a bit of pace, he adds a bit of aggression, <laughs> and it's a bit of a disaster for, uh, for Wayne to happen. I think so. We'll see. And also Lo Celso is a bit of a miss as well. I think in midfield, he you know he kind of knits together, links really well with Messi. So that's a bit of a miss. But that aside, it's a team that's incredibly united, incredibly motivated confidence messi trusts his teammates which is which is which is a huge step forward he no longer drops to his penalty area to pick the ball up and try to do everything himself (laughs) he trusts he trusts players to find him in areas where he can make a bigger impact which given he's a couple of years older um is really important so look this argentina seems great um they're in a really really good run of form everything seems to be there for messi to to win this title so i think argentina are yeah rightfully amongst the favorites and that feels incredible to say because they've been terrible but the things have really turned around in the last three or four years and, and huge credit to the side
2: they've conceded just two goals in their last 14 games argentina that's pretty incredible how good they are defensively uh, jake do you have an angle here do you have a perspective um
3: not really. No, I'd probably have, I probably have the same kind of notion as, as, as Andrew in terms of the Argentina poll and dual forecast. Um, yeah, I, I think what everything Simon said there just all the data represents how Argentina have kind of transformed over the last couple of years. And um, I guess it started with a really strong defensive platform. They, um, you know, conceding very few goals, conceding a few chances. Uh, whenever you've got Messi in your team, you know you're always going to have a chance. Uh, you're always going to create plenty, of, uh, plenty of chances. Um, yeah, I, I think in terms of Argentina's like long-term goal at this World Cup, I'd be interested to hear, Simon, because obviously there were doubts around Angel Di Maria and Paolo Dybala and, and their fitness. I know, that they been included in the squad? Are they kind of fit enough to play a part? Because I guess that's one of the areas where if both of them are missing, you, you're missing a really good creative force.
0: Yeah, so Dybala and Di Maria were both included in the squad. Um, Dybala is less important I think Di Maria does really well for Argentina. I think Lautaro Martinez is really important in attack, in particular for Argentina, because he's that focal point, really smart movement, looks to play on the shoulder with the, the defence, breaks into the final third. Um, Dybala's been a bit of a fringe kind of player. I think um, it will be interesting to see if, how much he actually plays for Argentina in the, in the tournament. Um, but I think uh, Lautaro is very important um, and he's definitely one to, to watch at the tournament. And Di Maria, again, comes up in the big moments for Argentina scored that goal to win in the Copa America. Has a nice thing with Messi. So I'd expect probably Messi, um, Di Maria and Lautaro to be the kind of front three uh, for Argentina uh, when when all are available. Um, then, you know, the midfield, again, it's it's a much more complete midfield. It's, it's a midfield with players who have two functions, can defend, can attack and create. It's not a case of being built around a ball winner and a passer. You know, they just have so many... Um, so such complete midfielders perhaps you could say the fullbacks are a slight step down from elsewhere in the team Um, but I just think overall it's a really nicely balanced side and as I say their ability to progress the ball without Messi having to drop back too far deep I think is going to be key. Messi can do whatever he wants um, and he doesn't feel he has to do everything nowadays I think that's going to be important I feel like Argentina will come up again for our outright selections. I'll say this
2: about Mexico from CONCACAF if you know anything about Mexico at the World Cup, they always get out of the group. It doesn't matter who's in their group. They've advanced to the group the last seven times, guys. Like it, Then they get knocked out in the round of 16 every single year. This is the way it works. In Poland, I'm sorry, in these major competitions, they're dog's breakfast. Like They were awful in 2018, finishing bottom of the group. And since 2021, the start of it, nine wins, seven draws, six losses. And look at the teams that they won. It's all the teams they should win. They don't come out and beat the teams that are actually competitive in recent times. I have some serious questions about Poland, Mexico, minus 106. Perhaps I'm here in CONCACAF, I need to back them, and I will Mexico to get out of the group at minus 106. Uh, Moving on to Group D, the reigning champs, uh, France. Um, They're back uh, with a completely different midfield, Conte, Matuidi, Pogba, who were so good last World Cup, all three of them. Not in this team. Very difficult to go on and repeat. But France, since 1998, two world, Cup, uh, two world Cup wins and three finals. This team is loaded with Benzema back in the team. Missed out. Last World Cup. He'll have something to absolutely prove for the fourth-ranked team in the world. Australia, 38th-ranked team. They had 11 straight wins of World Cup qualifying. Then the game's crashing back down to earth and just managedly uh, edged it to get into uh, the World Cup, courtesy of the Intercontinental Playoff, five four win in penalties over Peru. Denmark, another side with dark dark horse written all over it. They beat France home and away in the Nations League. Now they get France in Group D. And Tunisia, thirtieth ranked team in the world, beat Mali on a weird own goal to go on to qualify. Didn't concede in seven uh, seven games straight. A very good defensive side for it being absolutely lit up five, one loss to Brazil in a friendly a few months ago, France minus two Oh five Denmark to win the group at plus two twenty. Is that number tempting here? It seems like it's a two horse race in this group, Simon. What do you make of France and Denmark? I mean, do you really give Australia or Tunisia a shot in this group? Uh,
0: Australia? I I would think not. Um, I, I don't, don't fancy Australia. Tunisia. I mean, they've had some decent results recently. That they're not a bad side. I think they could potentially pull a couple of upsets in this group. Um, but yeah, I think Denmark and France are, are favourites. Uh, I think it's. I think France. It would probably require a bit of a uh, an implosion, which the French historically have been capable of. Um, so we'll have to see on that front. Um, yeah, you know, Denmark. I think is a good side. You know, it's a, it's a good balanced midfield. They've got some pace out wide i think they kind of lack a little bit a real out and out top number nine but i think it's a it's a solid side so i think denmark will be steady in this group uh france are potentially have incredible hires but if it all goes wrong then it could go quite quite wrong so if france failed to of this group it would definitely be the story of the the group stage i struggle to see it but i definitely think there could potentially be some drama at some point for france which is potentially, you know, the big story in itself. But yeah, I think, I think Denmark are a good side. I think Tunisia are are actually decent. I don't really fancy Australia. Um, and obviously I think France, if they fail to qualify, it will be all all of their own fault. I I would suggest.
2: Jake, do you think Denmark can go on and win this group? I mean, they were in the same group for 2018 as well. These are two familiar sides with one another.
3: Yeah, I absolutely think that they can win the group. Um, yeah, like, like Simon said, France have got the ability to just get in their own way um, and make things more awkward than they should be. You know, we saw in the last international break Mbappe refusing to do photo shoots because of a brand and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's, there's definitely, there's an undercurrent that that things could go wrong at any moment. Um, and I think keeping harmony is probably the biggest job of uh, that Didier Deschamps got. Um, yeah, I, I like Denmark. I really do. I think the... The group is, I, in my opinion, it's going to come down to that that head to head game, um, and and I personally have that down as a draw. I think the two teams will draw. I think it's match day two, um, which means that you know ultimately depends on how how heavily you beat the other two teams. Um, and and as Simon said, France have a really big, really high ceiling, um, but how often do we see them hit that ceiling and get or get close to it? Whereas Denmark are a team that are incredibly consistent and have been for years now. Um so I said that they probably have a lower ceiling but also a lower floor than France. Um in which case I, I do think Denmark are worth a bet to, to top this group because like like I said it's going to come down to the games against Australia and Tunisia in my opinion. Um uh, and yeah that, that's a bet for me. And also I think in the head to head you can get Denmark plus 0.5 on the on the handicap at uh, minus one one nine. That'll do for me. I don't think they'll lose the Game against France. Um, you know the reason head, head record in the Nations League was really good. Um, they obviously topped that that group and and beat them twice. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I do think that Denmark could, could be a really dangerous team at this World Cup.
2: Sign me up for that as well, Jake. Both those plays, Andrew. Do you want to make it uh, a trio backing Denmark here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd only be repeating right. what the other guys have said, but yeah, I think they've got a real good chance of of topping this group. I mean, if you like omens, obviously the the Defending champions have gone out in the group stage in the last three World Cups. It seems to be a thing that, that happens. And I'm not sure that's going to happen to France, but then nobody would have thought that in the last three either. So, um, you know, perhaps that's, there's something in that. The other thing I spotted, um, France and Denmark have played in six group stages over the years at so the World Cup and Euros. And one of them has gone on to win the tournament five times. So, Hi. you know, if you like an omen, every time France have won the World Cup or Euros and Denmark winning Euro 92... They played each other in the group stage. So uh, maybe get on Denmark to go all the way. And the only other one I'd add really at this point, I think Australia are under 1.5 points at plus 114. Yes, We've mentioned Tunisia. They only conceded two goals in eight qualifying games. So I don't think there's any guarantee that Australia will beat them. And you would expect them to um, lose to France and Denmark. So to get a plus uh, bet on them at under 1.5 points looks pretty decent to me.
2: Yeah, I'll say this, Group D, there's a lot of intrigue here because whoever wins this group, the draw can open up nicely for them. So there's a carrot being dangled here. For France and Denmark, go on and win this group, then who knows how far you may be able to go in this tournament. Denmark lost to Croatian penalties last World Cup, England in the Euro semi final. Perhaps this is their time. Uh, group E, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, Japan, uh, Spain, Luis Enrique, he's He's taken to Twitch. He's gonna let you out there know what he's thinking throughout this World Cup. I actually think that's that's pretty cool. But it's a side that's very young, very active, very energetic, and very Sergio Ramos less <laughs> doesn't get into this <laughs> side, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. Costa Rica, I mean, it was a shooting gallery in CONCACAF qualifying. Kaylor Navas stood on his head, and this team got it together six wins and a draw in their last seven World Cup qualifiers. Germany, the disappointment of the last World Cup, failing to get out of the group, uh, but they won nine from 10 games in World Cup qualifying, only lost to North Macedonia, which then got into the playoffs. Then they knocked out Italy. So you can, you can blame Germany, the Italian fans out there. That's the reason, true reason why you're not going to the World Cup. And Japan, uh, their seventh consecutive World Cup. They're an intriguing side for me. Just two losses in their last 16 games overall coming in. Spain minus 108 to win the group, plus plus five five 5,063 for Costa Rica to win the group, plus 1213, or, uh, 1,213 for Japan, and plus 1,13 for Germany here. Um can Japan make this interesting, Jake, between Spain and Germany? I know that both sides, based upon name and reputation, are, you know, or are, 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 should be two of the favorites to go on and win this tournament, but are you buying that the squads can live up to those expectations?
3: Um, I think so, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to go all the way, either of them, but um, I think they'll get out of the group um, quite comfortably. I, I just think the the squad depth that both both have um, and the quality they both have at their disposal. And also the managers they have in the dugouts, I think it would be really important. You know, Luis Enrique, you mentioned him there, serial winner at club level. Uh, Hansi Flick as well, serial winner, um, club and international as an assistant. So, um, yeah, I think that stands them in good stead. Who's going to win the group? I, if I was to have a lean, it would be Spain uh, at minus 108. I think their Euros performance, um, they got knocked out in the semis. I thought they were really, really good. They were lucky to lose to Italy. Um, and, and I thought it was a really positive step in the right direction I, the only thing they're missing in my opinion from becoming or being a real challenger um, is well there's two things actually a number nine because <laughs> how far how, how can you trust Alvaro Morata to take you to a World Cup um, and also a centre-half because again Eric Garcia I mean do you trust him to get you far in a World Cup I mean I've I've watched him play for Barcelona so far this season I can say the answer is no um, so th- that's two areas for me but I just think that in this group I think Spain will suffocate teams with the possession game. Um, you know they've got the players that can break a deep line block, uh, and you know you've got Pedri and Gavi in there. And Germany, I think they could be really interesting because the the squad they've selected is very much a new guard kind of squad. There's there's a couple of old guards still in there. I mean, Mario Götze has managed to get a, a call up. Obviously, the guy who won won them the World Cup. What was it, twelve years ago? Uh, oh, sorry, eight years ago. Um, And yeah, I I think that, you know, players like Jamal Musiala will have a big breakout tournament and um, I think it'll be exciting to watch. So I've got Spain and Germany going through and I've got Spain just edging it. Andrew?
1: Yeah, it's very difficult to look past them, isn't it? I was actually thinking that maybe Germany might top the group, but it is a very, very difficult one to, to call. I think maybe um, for me, Japan under 2.5 points at plus 136 looks interesting. They've only uh, won one of their game, one of their seven games at the last two World Cups. And they sometimes struggle to score goals. Both they and Costa Rica generally have low scoring games. So I think they could draw with them and lose the other two. So um, that stood out for me. But yeah, clearly it's it's Spain and Germany to go through. The only, the only question really is the order, I think. Simon,
0: anything to add? No, not, not a lot, really. I, yeah, I think I think Japan have got some decent quality, but I can't see them getting above Spain or Germany. And you know, Costa Rica is quite an aging side in key areas. Yeah, no, I think, as you say, I think Spain have some potential weaknesses, but I can't see any of the teams in this group really exposing those, you know, aside from Germany. And I, I think that game won't be particularly important in terms of deciding who progresses or not. I was looking for the odds,
2: Qualifying for out of the group stage based upon fair play points awarded, uh, that would be quite the one. If, if Japan Japan can pull this off again, then that will be an absolute all timer. As in the last World Cup, they were up two 0 against Belgium. It's still one of the most exciting games at the last World Cup, uh, courtesy of Japan, who did get out of the group stage. Uh, last World Cup. Uh, yeah, I think the interesting. F, so good. The interesting thing for that
3: group E as well is the it probably. Doesn't really matter if you win the group or finish runner-up, you're going to have a a fairly winnable next round. If you finish runner-up, you're going to face the winner of Group F, which is Belgium, probably Belgium, maybe Morocco, Croatia. Um, So yeah, it may may, may be a case of similar to what happened with England at the last World Cup, where they went into the final game against Belgium um, and, you know, knowing that losing to Belgium would give them an easier path through to the final. So um, Yeah, something to watch out for.
2: Yeah, second place in that group seems like the place where you might want to be to get on a side of the bracket that wouldn't feature Argentina or Brazil. Um That, you know, the motivation or lack thereof is something to keep an eye on. Group F and one side that Jake forgot to name quite clearly. Oh, Canada. Oh, baby. It's Canada <laughs> back at the World Cup for the first time since 1986. Uh, 41, uh, 41st ranked team in the world. And, and you may laugh, you may smirk. Guess who scored the most goals in international football in 2021? It was the Canadians. They just happened to draw an exceptionally difficult group. Second-ranked side in the world, Belgium. Uh, a side, arguably the best goalkeeper in the world, arguably the best midfielder in the world. But what else? Is this golden generation going to be able to get over the hump and actually go on and win something? Finished third at the last World Cup, so they'd be knocking on the door. Just haven't broken it down yet. Morocco, uh, the only... African nation to go on and win all of their group games and World Cup qualifying. A managerial change has brought back Ziyech Maserawi into the side. That's some quality there, a much different-looking Morocco side heading into this tournament. And Croatia, they've changed a lot since uh, 2016, or 2018, I should say, the 12th-ranked team in the world. They were weak in World Cup qualifying, freshened up things at centre-back. Now they simply don't lose, although the midfield looks... Uh, Very much the same, Brozovic, Kovacic, and Modric, over 300 caps combined. Add Perisic's 115 caps on this. On top of that, they have some requisite experience for the runners-up in 2018. Belgium to win the group, minus 150. Croatia, plus 210. Who's taking Canada at 1253? Anyone? Silence. Morocco at 1,050 plus 1,051 to win the group here. Um, Canada would just like to score a goal, uh, perhaps go on and shock the world. They say that they're fearless, but in a group with some real tried, tested and true teams, uh, it's going to be a reach to expect much from Canada. Or am I off base here, Jake? What are the numbers telling you?
3: Um, you're not off base. Um, I think it's going to be really difficult for Canada. The numbers back that up as well. Um yeah, I, I personally am all over Belgium. I, I know that there's a lot not to like about them, particularly defensively, where they've still got Alderweireld and and Vertonghen in there. I'm surprised Vermarlin isn't in there as well. Um, just to keep the gang together. <laughs> um but yeah, from a Canadian perspective, you know, we has given fifty-eight percent chance of finishing bottom of the group, which um I think it's hard to argue with. I think there's some there's some quality operators in there. Um and yeah, I, I like Belgium to win the group at minus one fifty. It may seem short. But one thing we know about Belgium is that they are flat-track bullies. They tend to get beat by the better teams because, you know, they expose the weaknesses. But against the lesser likes, the, you know, Croatia, I think, are very beatable, um, uh, and Canada in particular. I think Belgium will just prove a little bit too strong. Um, and they take a lot of pleasure in beating bad teams, which is generally why they're still quite so high in the in the world rankings. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd quite like Belgium to win the group. I think Morocco could spring an upset. Um, I really do. I think Croatia are a vulnerable second favourite in that group. Um, Morocco, really, really solid defensively. Um, As you mentioned, they've got some key players coming back in after um, a a dispute with the um, federation. Um, Yeah, I I think they could be dangerous. I think they could be a real threat to Croatia. Um, And yeah, for me, the the best bet in this group for me is just Belgium to win the group. I, I just genuinely think they could play, you know, us four at the back and they'd still win this group.
2: Uh, I'm not sure about that, but point made. <laughs> Simon, do you agree? And how's your right foot?
0: It's not bad, actually. It's not bad. Um, I don't know if I'm a, a centre back. We'll, we'll see. We'll have a little conversation. <laughs> Get me on the phone. Let's see, what, see what I reckon. Uh, yeah. So no, I think I think Belgium is a, is a strong option for that. I think it's actually quite an interesting group as well. You know, I I think Canada could have an impact. Morocco, as you say, with those players coming back in, look much much more dangerous in attack. Um, that's going to be a huge boost. Uh, I, I'm leaning towards Belgium and Croatia, but I think, I think yeah, I think Morocco could potentially challenge in that one. It's going to be quite interesting. Um, but yeah, I think Belgium are a very solid side. Um, but yeah, I think the, those players coming in, whether they get back into the group, if you know the manager can get the right balance, get everyone on board, I think they'll Morocco again could be a little bit explosive, but it could potentially be in a good way. You know, bringing these guys back in been some disputes. It'll be interesting to watch, but um, yeah, I think it's Belgium and Croatia, but if things click for Morocco, then they could definitely make a challenge. All right. So two to the three have dismissed
2: Canada's chances. Andrew, you can bring some repubility to this pro uh, this, this this podcast here, put your stake in the ground, make a claim Canada to advance.
1: I'm not sure I can go that far Gareth, if I'm honest, Um, (laughs) but but I do like possibly Morocco to finish bottom at plus 150 because I saw they lost 3-0 to the USA earlier this year. And everyone knows that Canada are better than the USA, aren't they?
2: That's true. That is true. <laughs> so if they lost
1: 3-0 to USA, they're bound to lose to Canada. But um, I-, I was actually going to make a case for Croatia to top the group at plus 210 um, because they beat Denmark twice and took four points from France in the recent recent Nations League. So I think with that sort of form behind them, maybe they can um, they can actually top the group. And I say that as somebody with a Tintin poster on the wall behind me. But I'm going to go against Belgium and and say that uh, that Croatia could top this one.
2: Yeah, Lukaku. The question around him has it pl- played what three or four games this season? Hazard, like l- look, Belgium. I'd be shocked if they didn't advance from this group, but I think there's some value with Croatia plus two ten. Look at how they've fared over the last year. They've I think they've only lost one or two games. Like they've been played some really good teams and they've been very competitive. sutelo and uh, Vardy all. Uh, Vardy coming into play center back for this team is changed the way that they play. Quite frankly, they're much more sound, no more Vita and Lovren there. And like, look at, are they the perfect side? No, but I think they might even be better than the side that reached the final in 2018. I, I really do about Croatia. Perhaps I'm believing too much hype very quickly before we move on candidate to score against Belgium. It's on pinnacle.com minus Minus one sixteen for yes. Plus one Oh five for a No, Come on, guys. Can we get onto the yes train here? Ken has never scored a goal at a World Cup. Couldn't that opening match, Belgium's back line, show a little bit of vulnerability?
1: Yeah, yeah I think I, so. I think well, so. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't Larin one of the top scorers in qualifying, I think. So, um, yeah, with Belgium's aging defense, I think they can score, definitely.
2: Uh, Eustachio scored five goals for FC Porto. Davies, we'll, we'll see his fitness. Jonathan David, I believe he's the third highest scorer in League 1 right now at present time. So there's some attacking quality in this Canada side. It's defensively the, where the questions will be asked. So we'll see how it all plays out. No no matter what, it's going to be a big month for Canadian football, and we're so excited to be back on the world stage. Group G, Brazil, top-ranked team in the world. This team has a bit of everything, don't they? The five-time champs are the odds-on favorite to win it all again. Serbia, the 21st-ranked team in the world. They were in Brazil's group in 2018, lost to Brazil 2-0 in their final group match. Switzerland they've been sneaky good as of late. They won their qualifying group which featured Italy. Uh, they beat France in the Euros, lost to Spain in the quarterfinals on pens. This is their first fifth straight World Cup for the Swiss as well. And Cameroon, you man this could go very well or very bad. Flip a coin, I'm going to side with bad. They're the 43rd ranked team in the world. Um, there's an unpredictability to the group, which makes them an intriguing side. Uh, Brazil minus 286 to win the group, plus 609 for Serbia, plus 609 for Switzerland, and plus 2535 for Cameroon. Simon, we'll start with you. Brazil, are they rightfully the favorites to go on and win the World Cup this time around?
0: Um, I think they're definitely right to be up there. Um, I, the thing about what's so impressive with this Brazilian side is the control that they have. Um, whereas Argentina, you know, I'm a bit concerned about Atamendi. Whatever, um, I think, I think Brazil's because Brazil, what they tend have done tend to do over the last couple of years, is score, let the opposition throw a few things at them, and then just hit them on the counter and win through. You know, three or four nil in the last twenty minutes. It's not a Brazilian side for all the attacking flair that they have. The key to their success is the control that they have in defence. Casemiro in front. They're really, really solid. Now, obviously, the question is what happens when they face European opposition? What happens when they have a different threat? Because I think while Argentina and Brazil have been brilliant and I've really liked Ecuador and Uruguay have a high ceiling, we'll talk about them in a minute. South American qualifying hasn't been as good as it has in previous tournaments in in the last few years. So the question is, you know, when they face top European opposition, will they still have that same control? What happens when they get hit? (laughs) What happens when things go wrong? Because nothing's gone wrong for four years, so that's going to be a, a question I have to answer. But what they have is is a really, really strong defense. They have um, Casemiro in front shielding. They have a lot of attacking flair, an incredible variety of creativity, speed, dribbling. You know, the, the question is, what do they do in the center four position? Um, they've wanted to play as a, a set nine. Richarlison's done well in that position. Gabriel Jesus is in the squad. So there's potentially still a slight question there. Um, but um, yeah, this Brazil side is very, very impressive. You know, I, I like I like Switzerland. But I like Serbia. But I, I do think um, Brazil will uh, exercise their control, will show their control that they have in this group and will make it look easy, although I don't think it is that easy. I do see Brazil getting out of this one quite comfortably. But I do like, for example, Serbia, Vlahovic, um, Mitrovic, uh Tadic, Milenkovic, Savic, <laughs> all really, really good players. So I'm looking forward to seeing the Serbia side. And I think the Serbia team can impress, but I think they'll be stifled by this Brazil because that's what Brazil do.
2: uh Serbia to advance from the group at plus 108 on pinnacle, Switzerland plus 101. Jaka and Freuler, like two holding midfielders, they're, they're both on great form and they've done really well for Switzerland. But like Simon said, Vlavic and Mitrovic up top, like playing with two strikers and two informed strikers as well is a dangerous proposition. Andrew, what do you make? I mean, I think we're all on the same page, Brazil to win the group, but Serbia or Switzerland? Does Cameroon come into the equation for you, Andrew? No,
1: I don't think so. I think it's a shootout between the two um European teams. I think I'm not sure which way to go on this one, but I was thinking Switzerland are a little bit like the European version of of Mexico, a, a phrase nobody has ever uttered probably. But but they're very good at grinding through the through the group stage before going out in the first knockout round. It's something they seem to they seem to excel at. And actually when you look at the 2018 World Cup, Brazil, Switzerland and Serbia were all in the same group. Uh, that time as well, and um, Switzerland beat Serbia with a 90th minute goal, it could be equally sort of close this time around as well. Um, So I think probably um, I would go for Switzerland with Brazil um, in the Group G dual forecast at plus 136, but it's very difficult to split them and and Serbia, and I I think Cameroon are going to be bottom of this one.
2: Jake?
3: Yeah, yeah, I I tend to agree. I think Serbia have got the potential to be really exciting at this world cup i think um you know simon mentioned some of the players there they, they've got such good attacking threat um all over the pitch really you know the wing backs are excellent as well and create plenty so they, they could be really interesting to watch um, but yeah I, it's hard to look past brazil to win the group i mean their, their defensive record in south american qualifying was unbelievable from an underlying data perspective um, we had them at 0.44 expected goals against per game, which is just obscene to to basically just not concede any chances of note whatsoever um, on a per game basis. Is, is just remarkably impressive. And if they carry that kind of form into this tournament, then you know we can expect them to go really, really far and and make it look really easy as well. Um, yeah, I'm like Andrew. I'm, I'm I'm out of the two European teams. I think Cameroon are going to find this very difficult. Watching them in Afcon, they were wide open defensively, but you know, they've played and won quite a few high scoring games. I think if the games go the same way in this group, they'll get picked off because I think there's better opponents. Um I'm siding with Switzerland to 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 best Serbia. I think that that experience that they've got um could count for quite a lot when it gets to the you know the nail biting end of the group stage. Um Serbia they they arguably have a better better team on paper, but I think Switzerland are probably just a slightly better unit there really trending in a positive direction. And, um, you know, we, we saw the success they had at the Euros in terms of knocking France out when it looked like all was lost. They somehow managed to score a couple of goals and and, and progress. Um, so, yeah, I definitely will be siding with Switzerland. And I think Brazil-Switzerland um, dual forecast is, is the play for me.
2: Uh, just quickly, Cameroon lost to Uzbekistan, lost to South Korea, draw Jamaica. That's not the way you want to go into a World Cup. And the last game of the group is Switzerland-Serbia. So we'll see. Circle that one. Should be very watchable. Uh, on to the final group in Group H. Portugal, a ninth-ranked team in the world, finished second in their group to Serbia, had to beat Turkey. Then North Macedonia avoided the playing Italy. Um, look, second place in this group gets Brazil. You want to go on and potentially win this group second place? Uh, it's no bueno. Uruguay is also in this group and they're looking to be a really strong side under Diego Alonso, 7-1-1 in their last nine. Uh, lost four, four straight in qualifying, Alonso comes in and then they win four straight as well. Ververde, Nunez, plenty of young players that you really like in this Uruguay side. South Korea, 28th ranked team in the world. Remember, last World Cup, no one rated them, just beat Germany. Ho-hum in that group stage. Didn't advance because they lost to Sweden and Mexico, but they did pull a shock then. And Ghana, the 61st-ranked team in the world, finished bottom of their group in the African Cup of Nations. Uh, but this side, adding Lamptey and Naki Williams into the team, they've added some more talent than they had during the African Cup of Nations as well. They're the last African side to reach the quarterfinals. Happened in 2010. What happened that year? Luis Suarez penalty shootout is revenge or retribution in the cards in this group. Uh, Portugal minus 141 to win, plus 1102 for Ghana. Uruguay at plus 191, plus 1203 for South Korea. We'll start with you, Simon, because this Uruguay side, um, it, it jumps off the page for me. They're balanced, maybe a little bit. Older at center back, and some injuries have added some doubt. But from an attacking and midfield perspective, there's plenty of quality in this Uruguay side.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a basically it's an Uruguay side that in the last five or five five or six years has kind of grown a midfield. Um, they used to be uh, Godín and Jimenez at the back, Suarez and Cavani up top, um, but they've really developed in terms of midfield quality. And now you look at this side and say the midfield is probably the strongest area of the field with the likes of Betancourt, Diaz-Carrieta, Valverde in there. They've got a lot of different options. De La Cruz is a good player. Ugarte at Sporting is a good young midfielder. They've got a really, really strong midfield now as well. Um, And that's been the challenge to kind of evolve the side, keep that defensive strength and and develop things. A question as well will be whether Godin plays. Obviously, historically, a very important player for Uruguay, but he's getting older. Um, I think probably Jimenez and Araujo would be would be the stronger pairing but Godin has that, that that experience that captaincy which will be interesting whether they whether they go with that or not perhaps a little bit lighter at fullback but as i say the midfield has a lot of variety a lot of quality and then again an attack and again we've seen with this uruguay side a lot of ch- changes in the tactical approach the biggest question for me with uruguay is are they ready because they've brought a new manager kind of towards the end of qualifying uh, after years and years of very similar approach and now they're trying to change the side trying to have more possession trying to have more control trying to press there's a lot more focus on pressing high and that's a, a big shift and they've changed the side a lot and obviously when that works, you go, oh, great, there's tactical flexibility, there's depth in, in quality. But when it doesn't, you say, the manager doesn't know what he's doing, he keeps changing the team, you know? So again, like Darwin Nunez, obviously this could be a breakout tournament for him, but he hasn't quite yet established himself as the main man for Uruguay. Um, so there's, with Uruguay, lots and lots of questions. If it works, they could go semi-final. If it doesn't, they could get knocked out in the group. Although, I don't think it is the most challenging of groups. Um, Obviously, Portugal, again, another side where the ceiling is high, but there's potential for catastrophe, I think, in that group. I don't know what other people think. But for me, it's a really, really talented Uruguay side that's moving in the right direction quickly. But whether they get there in time for the tournament is still a big question. And I think momentum will be key. If things click, then it could go really well. But I think it may be potentially a year too early for this for this new coach and this new approach.
2: Just checking, as of right now, Cristiano Ronaldo hasn't put Portugal or his teammates on blast. Stay tuned. That could happen at any moment. Um, but who should actually be considered favourites to win this group, Jake? Is it Portugal or is it Uruguay? Um, yeah, I think Portugal should be favourites, but I, I think they're a little bit short. I think they're a vulnerable
3: favourite. Um, the reason I say that is because they're they're in some really strange middle, like middle of the road. that they, they seem a little bit lost. They've got a manager whose approach is very defensive. It's, it's it's perfect for this kind of knockout football, but they've got a young team that wants to play much more expansive. They want to play high press. They want to you know dominate possession. They want to play very attack minded football, and you know not even just in forward areas. You think about the fullbacks as well, like Guerrero and Cancelo you know the has been playing really well at manchester united they're very attack minded um players uh, whereas they've still got a coach who wants them to be defense first um and then on top of all that you've got the ronaldo issue which is the fact that they probably are a better team without him but the coach isn't going to drop him uh, he, he i don't think he's going to be brave enough to to drop a you know a national treasure um the way that eric ten hag has, has seemingly just pushed ronaldo to the kerb at manchester united um i think that could be to the detriment i do think um, you know, I do think that the, this Portugal team is better without Ronaldo, but by the same token, who comes in and plays down the middle? You know, Diogo Jota would be the obvious candidate. he's out injured. He can't play there. Um, so it may be a case that while this is probably Ronaldo's last hurrah, he's the best, their best option to play down the middle. Um, I, I do think that they they are a vulnerable favourite in this group. I do rate Uruguay very highly. I think they could have a really good tournament. Um, I'll take everything Simon said in terms of the you know, the, the potential for it to, to all go wrong, that, that it could be a year too early. Uh, but all the underlying metrics have been really positive since Diego Alonso took over. Um, and they only had four games in World Cup qualifying. But if we do a strength of schedule adjusted rating for for those four matches, they actually come out as the second best team across that that small small game um, uh, stretch of the, the, uh, the entire South American qualifying um, ahead of Argentina. Now, I'm not saying that they're a better team than Argentina because obviously it's a small sample there but that kind of shows you that the the positive turnaround i think the the before the the managerial change was um was made they actually ranked as i think it was the, the seventh or eighth best um team in south american qualifying based on the underlying metrics so um yeah there's a lot to like about Uruguay. i really like the 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 young crop of players. they like the spine um and yeah i made them a bet to win the group at plus 191 i think they should be a little bit shorter um partly because i think portugal are too short but also i think because South Korea and Ghana, um, uh, you know, should be bigger, really, to win this group. So I think there's a bit of a gulf between the, the those two and, and the other two.
2: If Cristiano Ronaldo scores, he'll be the first player to score in five World Cups. Does he do it, Andrew? And what does it, that mean for Portugal in this group?
1: He might do because, um, as we've said, Ghana and South Korea aren't that strong. So there's every chance that he might. But um, I can't really add too much to, to the other guys. Um, Uruguay to top the group was going to be my suggestion as well. I think Portugal, um, uh, as Jake said, sort of something of a risky favourite there. I think Uruguay will um, will probably top this group. And I like the look of um, Ghana under 2.5 points at plus 102. Um, because they had a bad couple of nations, as you mentioned, they lost four one to Japan in June, and I'm just not sure they can compete with the uh, with the other teams in this group. But um, yeah, it looks like we're on the sort of Uruguay train, possibly to uh, to top this one.
2: Well, I might be the exception. I think that look, Fernando San- Santos is not sexy football. It's not progressive, but they find a way to get the job done. Diego Costa, like this, this goalkeeper, is very very good. Could be the difference. Uruguay doesn't really have an established number one goalkeeper in their team. I think that is a question mark for that side. And remember Portugal lost to Uruguay 2-1 at the last world cup in the knockout phase. So uh, maybe a little bit of retribution there as well.
3: I was just going to say like Portugal generally haven't had been very good in group stages recently. Um, They won when they won the Euros. I think they drew the three group games. Um, They didn't win a single match and got through as the third place team. And, And at the last world cup, I think they finished second behind Spain. So um yeah that that maybe they, they could qualify and like i said the, the football that santos likes to play is very it, it matches the knockout kind of style very well um but unfortunately in, in the group stage it's not knockout you know they, they have to go and try and win matches and i think that could be maybe to the detriment in this group they maybe draw two and win one um and slip up against uh, um you know south Korea or Ghana. Um, but yeah, I, I do think Uruguay are, are the better. I, I think there's too many question marks for me around this this Portugal team and to, for them to be that short in the market.
2: Simon, before we move on, I have to ask you, second place in this group looks to get Brazil. Who would Brazil prefer
0: to play? Would it be Portugal or would it be Uruguay? Um, well, look, Uruguay are always tough, but Brazil, no Uruguay, right? So it's, I think Brazil would probably prefer to play Uruguay just because... Um, it's the unknown with Portugal, and it's a European side. Brazil, Brazil know they're better. Now we'll see because Uruguay again in a in a one off game with the 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 thing as well with Uruguay. Just what we won is they have these old guys who are hanging around, and they have these young guys. And in many sides that would be a problem, but this is Uruguay. Like the 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 team, the 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 spirit in this the camp, the unity, the. Putting the national team first is stronger in Uruguay than any other part of the world. So, Uruguay are going to be tough, and they're going to get the most of what they have. You know, I think as a group. But yeah, I think Brazil would pro- probably prefer to play Uruguay just because they know what they're going to get, and they've beaten them, and they finish comfortably above in, in South America. So that's probably what I think they prefer. The stakes incredibly high in Group H.
2: Let's turn our focus to the World Cup Golden Boots. Um, you know, this tournament, the longer you play, the better that your chances are to go on and win the Golden Boot. Your top five favorites, Kane, Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, and Benzema. J- Jake, we'll start with you. Is there a name that makes sense to you that provides some value in terms of the Golden Boot market?
3: Yeah, it's none of the ones that you listed there. Um, I think that they're all a little bit too short. Um, I've got a little bit bigger. I think Memphis Depay at Holland plus 2 uh, 2265. I think you'll get a run for your money because they've got in my opinion a a very kind group um in group A that in which they could rack up the goals. Um as I mentioned they're a very high scoring team in general. Um they scored eight goals in their three Euro 2021 games um which is the highest as the most in the in the group stage. He scored 14 in six Nations League games and prior to that, 33-10 and World Cup qualifying games. So they are a very high-scoring, attack-minded team. Depay, he is the number nine. He will be on penalties, which I think is always important when you're looking for a a Golden Boot winner. Um, And, you know, how many times in recent World Cups have we seen that the the winner of the Golden Boots actually scored the majority of the goals in the group stage? I mean, Harry Kane, I think he scored five in the group stage last time around, and uh, one came off his heel, uh, if I remember (laughs) rightly. So... Um, Yeah, (laughs) that's true. I I think having a kind group stage is, for me, the most important um, thing when I look for a golden boot winner, just purely because when you get to the knockout rhymes, things tend to get more tight, more cagey um, and fewer goals. So um, if you can rack up early in the group stages, then I think that's beneficial. So Depay was one for me. The only downside is he's not played a lot of football at Barcelona this season. Now that could be a double-edged sword. It could be the means that he's super fit um, and that he's raring to go. Or it comes, you know, he's lacking match practice. But um, I'll, I'll I'll take the positive.
2: Andrew, is there another name that you're looking? You're you're taking a good hard look at.
1: Um, I'll be honest. It feels like Jake has been looking over my shoulder and reading my notes on this one because I've got pretty much exactly what he just said. Um, he's right about Kane. Kane didn't score past the round of sixteen um, in 2018 and still won the golden boot. Five of his six goals were in the group stage. And it's true of, of players before him as well. So on that basis, I was going to suggest a pie because he plays for the, the best team in the weakest group. And that's a, a good way to uh, to win the golden boot. The only thing I'll add, something slightly different. Um, I've written an article for a different website. Other gambling sites are available. And I was looking at um, goal scorers in qualifying, but assessing them against the difficulty of the Um, opponents that they faced and the number of games they played because there's different lengths of qualifying in different parts of the world and putting all that together basically showed that um, Mitrovic had been the best scorer in qualifying and I'm not sure he um, is going to be the golden boot winner or even feature that much because of his recent injury but um, this system had Harry Kane coming out second Richarlison third and Memphis Depay fourth Um, and uh, Larry of Canada was sixth so you know there's, there's hope for Canada yet. And interestingly, again, not really golden boot candidates, but um, the only team with two in the top 10 was Iran, with Azmoon and Taremi. So, um, England had better watch out. But, um, yeah, Depay <laughs> was going to be my suggestion as well. So, I, I'm not sure I can add too much to that, really. Simon, a
0: name for you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, to say Neymar and Messi, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I, think, I think Brazil have... A really straightforward group with the set pieces that that, um, that Neymar will be taking. I think that's a positive and the same with Messi. I also think Lautaro Martinez, uh, obviously the set pieces is, as you say, an easy way to get three or four goals. And that's probably why Harry Kane's sitting at the top there. Um, but outside the set pieces, I think Lautaro Martinez is the number nine for Argentina. I think Argentina have a decent chance of going quite far in the tournament. He will be the focal point in attack. So I think that's a decent kind of outside shout. Um, but, I, you know, I think as well, if Argentina do well, Messi's at the heart of a lot of what they do as well. So uh, adding the free kicks and the penalties, and perhaps you've got a Messi ahead of Lardaro, but I think Lardaro's a decent shout. And I think Neymar as well is going to be at the heart of everything Brazil do, um, getting a lot of attacking options, opportunities, penalties, free kicks. So uh, from a South American perspective, probably those three names uh, stand out. Uh, I wish there was an Ecuadorian one <laughs> I could put forward, but that's
2: probably the problem. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. Inter Valencia, probably not going to be. Watch, watch. He'll just go on and do it. But I-, I had the same train of thought as you, Simon. I thought about Lutaro Martinez. I'm like, wait a second. Lionel is playing for Argentina. He's going to take pens. He's going to take set pieces. He's just scored nine goals in his last three games. I know they played Estonia, Jamaica, Honduras, but... I mean, wouldn't that be fitting? Lionel Messi at the World Cup, absolutely to it on fire. He plays Saudi Arabia. You could score three or four in that game alone, to be honest with you. Poland, Mexico, suspect defensively. I think that it sets up for Lionel Messi to go out with a bang. That would be my play in the golden boot market. Um, let's go through one by one. Each of you can have your final say. A potential outright winner and any other plays, whether it be qualifying for the quarterfinals, qualifying for the semifinals, all are available on Pinnacle.com. So, Jake, we'll start with you batting leadoff. Your outright winner, as well as potential other plays that you'd like to make.
3: Um, my winner, it, little bit, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna break the rules straight away here. Um, my winner is Argentina. But I think the price is too short now. It was it was big enough a couple of weeks ago when I wrote my outright preview. So I'm going to pivot slightly. And as a price play, I think backing Lionel Messi to win the Golden Ball at a bigger price than Argentina to win the World Cup makes a lot of sense. Just purely because if Argentina go far in the competition and actually get to the final and potentially win it, Lionel Messi is going to win the Golden Ball. It's his final World Cup. He's going to be at the heart of everything they do. It's a narrative-driven award, generally. Um so I, I think that could be something that a way of getting a little bit more juice out of the Argentina price.
2: All right. Uh, anything else to add or is that your one play? Any other?
3: Yeah, I, I thought the, um, the highest scoring group to be, um, I think i got it down as group G, the Brazil group. I think there could be quite a lot of goals in that Brazil group. I know Brazil are generally quite defensive, um, defensively sound, but I think the other teams could score quite a lot of goals against each other. I don't think Serbia are going to sit back and, um, and defend too much. Um, I also thought the winning continent, South America, um, being the second favourite, I thought I, I that was quite wrong, personally. I, I think Brazil and Argentina are the, probably the two best teams in the competition. Um, too many question marks about the European side. I think France, obviously, are, are near the head of the market. But um, yeah, I, I just think there's too many question marks around France, England, Spain, Germany, Netherlands, Portugal. I don't see the question marks around Brazil and Argentina. So to get a plus number about any South American team winning, that obviously includes Uruguay and potentially Ecuador. I think that that for me looks like a really really strong bet. Um, you know, I think we all we're all on the Brazil Argentina train. One of them, if not both, to to go really deep into the competition. Um, and that that's the kind of bet that covers you for for one or both of them going far and uh, and winning the competition.
2: It's it's my favorite play: South America to win the World Cup at plus one seventy six, and throw Uruguay into the equation as a nice little bonus play there. And I was surprised. I was looking at the highest scoring group model as well, plus six seventy nine for Group G. That's the 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 sixth highest odds. Like it, it's surprising to me, especially you know we've documented. Vlavic, Mitrovic, like there's some goals to be scored in this group, so I-, I like that play as well. Simon, we'll pivot to you. Do you have an outright winner or any other plays that you like to point out?
0: Yeah, I think I think Brazil, I think Brazil are most likely to win the tournament. To be honest, um, I love the romantic idea of Argentina um but uh i just think this brazil are just annoyingly efficient <laughs> um so i think that's going to be key because they have the defense and argentina have the otamendi factor who you know hopefully makes his mistake in the first game and then gets dropped and we can we can lose the whole otamendi um concern and well how about like, i think i think there's a decent chance Things click for Ecuador. Let's go for a South American. I think Ecuador gets some goals in this group. Nobody expects them to score, but I think I think Ecuador getting a getting a hat full of goals, recapturing some of that qualifying form. Um I think I think there's a decent shot of that. So I think I think keep an eye on Ecuador. If it clicks, then I think they can be really good because as I say, in South American qualifying, they were very, very, very impressive, unstoppable at times like literally completely blowing teams away. So I'm just hoping we get to see that Ecuador. Uh, And if we do, I think they can score goals. They don't have a goal scorer, (laughs) um, but they have a team that can overwhelm and can can surprise. So I'm just got my fingers crossed that things fall into place for Ecuador, really. I've already locked
2: in. uh, Plus 145, Ecuador to beat Qatar in that first game. Uh, It's just, you know, I'm with you. They're too good of a team against a team that... I just don't think, think is very good. And what's that atmosphere going to be like in that opening match of guitar? I, I'm I'm just not quite sure about that. Andrew, give us your place, sir. Well, perhaps I
1: have to have the casting vote between Brazil and Argentina. I'm not sure. Um, one of the articles I've written for Pinnacle about location at the World Cup. When you look at the last three European World Cups, um, South America's only had one semifinalist. Uh, which was Brazil in 1998, who obviously lost the final. But they, they've done a lot better in the non-European World Cups, which suggests they've got a chance. Um, I did like the look of the um, South American winner, the one that Jake mentioned. The only thing that concerns me there is that um, if Brazil and Argentina win their groups, as we expect they will, they'll be on track to meet in the semifinals. So it's perhaps unlikely that, that both will reach the final. I think if push comes to shove, I would... Um, with Argentina but I do think it's probably going to be one of those two teams which is hardly the most revelatory shout but um, I think it, it looks like uh, it looks like the correct play in terms of the other markets I mean the various sort of reaching the different stages, the uh, quarter, semis, finals I think um, Netherlands are possibly underrated in some of those, I mean they're somewhere around 5-12 to reach the final and when you think they've got a pretty easy run to get to the quarter final they don't need to do too much from there to to reach a final. And and as we know, they've been there um, three times in the past, only one in sort of relatively recent history. But I think five twelve, I think it was for Netherlands to reach the final looks, looks a decent price. Um, But uh, even if they get there, I think they may fall short against one of the South Americans. Yep.
2: Uh, I guess I get the final word. Just a couple teams based upon the way the draw looks, there's a real advantage. If you win group B, potentially England group D, France or Denmark group F, Belgium, Croatia group H, Portugal, Uruguay. One of those sides that I just listed can go on and be representing that side of the draw in the world cup final. Um, I think there's some value with Portugal or Uruguay and Denmark. I'm looking at all those teams. And if there's one team that has a little bit of value to, to go deep in this tournament, it's the Netherlands as well. I'm I'm, I'm with you on that, Andrew, the, the easiest group, and we'll see what that means if they can get out of that group playing second place in Group B. Perhaps they can continue this winning streak under Louis van Gaal. So those are the kind of the teams I'm looking at but in terms of overall play, uh, just that futures bet South American side to go in and win the World Cup. I think it's a good one, plus at plus 176. Uh, this has been great, guys. Lengthy, but I think we covered all the bases. Uh, Simon, uh, have fun in Qatar. Enjoy covering the tournament. Thank you for your insights here today. No, you're very welcome. Thank you for the invitation. Jake, uh, it's great to see that we have some alignment spelling, you know, (laughs) building off of the relationship we formed on EPL Insights. Well done.
3: Yeah, uh, we've aligned on some things, but, you know, not Canada. I I think, you you know, maybe being patriotic in the way in which you think this this is going to go. But, um, you know, I hope for your sakes they actually have a good tournament.
2: Uh, They're gonna shock the world. It's like Alice Senegal in 2002. And Andrew, I I check your internet connection because perhaps Jake's, you know, uh, sleuthing his way in onto your computer and stealing your notes. You need to be able to fix that.
1: Yeah, well, let's just see how Memphis the Pie gets on, and um, if he does get the golden brew, I'm gonna take credit. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Or or perhaps you just be looking at all the betting resources that are available on Pinnacle.com. Andrew's played a big part in that. Make sure you go to Pinnacle.com for all your World Cup betting resources. Follow Pinnacle on Twitter at Pinnacle, at Pinnacle Sports on Facebook and YouTube as well. For the entirety of the tournament, uh, we're bringing you plenty of World Cup content throughout. Uh, Andrew and Simon, uh, you're busy as well. Simon, where can our... Listeners find your fine work during this World Cup.
0: Yeah, so on Twitter at Simon Edwards SAF. Uh, yep. And Andrew, anything from you? Any
2: where else can they find your fine work?
1: Yeah, the pretty constant stream of um, World Cup previews and, and content covering just about every match somewhere. Um, some previews with uh, Pinnacle as well as you said some betting resources stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Base Tune to Red. Or just search Andrew Beasley and uh, I should come up on there and yeah, I share links to everything I write. So it'll, it'll be easy to find on there.
2: And at Jake Oz, O-Z-Z, uh, busy with the sporting life. I can't wait to get all my World Cup material in the mail sometime around December 24th. It's going to be brilliant.
3: <laughs> yeah, just after the tournament finishes, it's probably going gonna, gonna to land. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I've got a great wall chart that people can download. Um, you should fill in. All sorts of stuff, including the XG. Um, we've got the World Cup guide as well, which you can check out on Sporting Life. And she have got really interesting information about every single team and a couple of bets in there as well. So visit all, uh, you can find all that on sportinglife.com. Um, and yeah, I, I'll send you one, Gareth. You, I'll sort you out, don't worry, mate
2: brilliant uh this should be great it's been a marathon of a podcast but the marathon of the world cup is about to begin 32 teams we'll see who comes out on top in about a month's time this has been pinnacle's world cup 2022 insights preview podcast powered by info Bowl. enjoy the world cup everyone